Welcome to Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. From fiction to nonfiction, graphic novels, and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. You are the doorway, Richard repeated thoughtfully. You are sure you killed the boy? You didn't just dream it? I didn't dream it, and I didn't kill him either. I told you that. They did. I am the doorway. Hello again, Books and Nachos listeners. This is Arnie. I am the podcaster. And today, I am reading and reviewing I Am the Doorway by Stephen King, first published in Cavalier Magazine in 1971 and collected in King's 1978 anthology book, Night Shift. Before I talk about this story, though, I want to welcome you to the show and say thank you for downloading this podcast. Whether you are one of the constant listeners who has joined me on the Stephen King book retrospective since it began last October, or someone listening for the very first time, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join me in reflecting on one of Stephen King's earliest published short stories. And if you are a new listener, to catch you up, I'm in the early stages of a multi-year project, reading and reviewing all of Stephen King's widely published novels and short stories. I was inspired to do this by NowPlayingPodcast.com, a movie review podcast that I co-host where we're watching and reviewing all the Stephen King movie adaptations. But as part of that, I wanted to read and review the original works on which these films were based. But as King's works are so interrelated, I wanted to take that next step and review King's stories regardless of if they've been made into a feature film or TV miniseries. I'm going primarily in order of publication date, though I am making the occasional exception, such as I've reviewed Dr. Sleep immediately after reviewing The Shining. In the archives at booksandnachos.com, you can hear my reviews of King's novels Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, and Dr. Sleep, as well as several short stories by King. And today, with I Am the Doorway, we reach the halfway point of the short stories from Night Shift. I Am the Doorway is a first-person story told to us by Arthur, the only surviving astronaut of the first manned mission to Venus. A botched landing put Arthur in a wheelchair, and in the five years since that space flight, Arthur has enjoyed a quiet retirement in Florida, living on a fat government pension. But when the story begins, Arthur is worried. He killed a local boy. He doesn't even know the boy's name, he's just a townie who scavenges the beach for change dropped by tourists. But Arthur killed him, in a manner of speaking. Arthur takes no credit for the kill. To hear the former astronaut tell the story, aliens killed the boy. Arthur was just the doorway, the vessel on Earth the aliens used for the murder. Arthur carried no more guilt than a hammer would after it was used to bash in a man's skull. It had begun three weeks earlier. Though five years had passed since that space mission, on one particular day, Arthur felt an itching in his hands. Small red welts appeared on the fingers, and soon those welts turned into eyes. The eyes of aliens looking through Arthur's fingers. Arthur had a mental connection with the eyes in his hands. He could see what the aliens saw, through their slanted vision. More, he could feel their feelings, seeing common Earth objects as strange and formidable. Arthur had started by keeping his hands bandaged, but the eyes wanted to see. They would cause him a terrible itch when covered up. Then, that day, he'd left them uncovered, and they saw the boy, and killed him. As Arthur explains it to Richard, the boy's head exploded, quote, 
as if someone had scooped out his brains and put a hand grenade in his skull, end quote. Now hearing this story, of course, Richard is skeptical. Arthur refuses to unbandage his hands and show Richard the proof of eyes underneath, lest the aliens decide Arthur's friend should also be killed. But to Richard, the story sounds insane. No one has even reported a boy missing, and that Arthur should spend five years fine before the aliens manifested themselves seemed unlikely. Are there really aliens in Arthur's hands? Did a boy die? What will Richard and Arthur find when they reach the dune where the body was supposedly buried? These are the questions asked by I Am The Doorway. Some of these get definitive answers, and others, well, those are a little bit more subjective. So to that end, I want to give a bit of a spoiler warning. I try to keep these reviews as spoiler-free as possible, but I do think that this short story's ending is open to interpretation. So while I will keep the majority of spoilers out of this podcast, if you want to know absolutely nothing about the story's end, I suggest you hit pause and go and read the story. It's short. At just 14 pages, it won't take you long. Then come back, because I'd love to talk to you about it. And in addition to being short, I Am the Doorway is a fun little read. I've commented how some of the short stories in Night Shift remind me of the EC comic stories, such as The Boogeyman and Graveyard Shift. With I Am the Doorway, though, King crosses over into a genre hybrid, the sci-fi horror. This is a natural shift for King. When reading interviews with the author, he discusses the horror films that influenced him as a child, and he does give mentions at times to the universal monster mash films, gothic horror, but even more often he mentions the schlock horror of the 1950s. He talks specifically in interviews about movies like Them, where nuclear testing is creating giant ants, or The Horror of Party Beach, where radioactivity raises sea monsters. In his nonfiction book Dance Macabre, King labels these, quote, techno-horror films, end quote. Despite all of the techno-horror King watched as a kid, his writing tends to lean more towards supernatural horror, such as The Ghosts of the Shining and The Zombies of Pet Cemetery, or gothic horror like The Vampires of Salem's Lot and The Worm in Jerusalem's Lot. But from time to time, King does venture into the type of techno-horror that inspired him as a boy. Some of the most notable may be Cell, Tommy Knockers, Under the Dome, and Dreamcatcher. But here with I Am the Doorway, we have one of the earliest published and collected examples of King telling tales of terror that spawn from outer space. King also writes in Dance Macabre, quote, Because any horror film has got to at least pay lip service to credibility, there had to be some reason for these monsters, end quote. In I Am the Doorway, the reason is aliens and man going to Venus. And for that credibility, King creates quite the legacy of the American space program. Now, remember, this short story was first published in March of 1971, just three years after the Apollo 8 mission, the first manned spacecraft to orbit the moon. To put it in context, the U.S.-Soviet space race resulted in men in space so quickly. I mean, it wasn't until 1962 that the U.S. had the first man in space. Six years later, we had Apollo 8, and then one year after that, in 1969, we had Apollo 11 that landed on the moon. In King's mind at this time, that type of exponential success was bound to continue, and Arthur recounts the future history of space missions. He states how in 1979, the U.S. had their first manned mission to Mars. 
And with both the moon and Mars being devoid of valuable minerals and alien life, the space program had started to seem like a needless expense for the country. Arthur and his co-pilot Corey were sent to Venus in a last-ditch effort to find something to make that space program valuable again. And as this Venus mission was sometime after the 1979 mission to Mars, but five years before the bulk of this story, I'd have to say that I Am the Doorway took place anywhere between 1985 and the year 1995, 10 to 25 years after this story was originally published. Certainly a sci-fi twist for King. But while this story is extraterrestrial in origin, that's merely an outfit this story wears. Aliens are mentioned in this story to define an origin for the terror that besets Arthur, but the horror itself all happens on a sandy Floridian beach. The murder that occurs is not little green men manifesting themselves and shooting a boy with a ray gun. They take control of Arthur's hands and use Arthur as their weapon. So while on the surface, I Am the Doorway is an oddity in Night Shift, being a science fiction entry, once you get beyond that set dressing, you realize this story is but an iteration of the tale found most often in Night Shift, a tale of madness and murder. For, and here's the major spoiler, as this story is told in the first person, nothing we read can be taken as fact. King was inspired by Edgar Allan Poe, and I've cited that Poe influence on some of the other Night Shift stories, including One for the Road and Graveyard Shift. Well, here, again, I'm thinking of Poe. First, our main character's name is Arthur, a name Poe would use for the protagonist of his only novel, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. But then you add in the first-person perspective, and I can think of nothing so much as the Telltale Heart, a first-person perspective story told by a madman racked with the guilt of murdering an old man. In that Poe classic, the narrator fully believes the old man's heart beats loudly underneath the floorboards where he is buried, despite no one else seemingly able to hear it. Well here, with I Am the Doorway, we see Arthur tell Richard, and tell us, the audience, about the alien eyes on his hands. He recounts vividly the way the eyes look and how they itch when covered, but Arthur is so frightened of the aliens and the harm they may do, he refuses to show anyone else the eyes. When, finally, Richard needs proof, Arthur removes the bandages, but, now free, the aliens also kill Richard. Arthur tells us that Richard dies of a lightning strike, called by the aliens from the skies to kill his friend. This could all be true. The astronaut could have been inhabited by aliens, and they could have killed a boy by making his head explode, and then called down lightning to kill Richard. Or, this could be what Arthur is seeing in his madness, when in fact Arthur's hands are the ones doing the killing far more directly, Arthur murdering his friends and then, utterly insane, blaming aliens for his deeds. Now, some may argue that since Arthur is wheelchair-bound, both his legs lost when the spaceship he flew to Venus crash-landed back on Earth, he could never have committed two murders. But then, others could argue aliens don't exist. Neither explanation provides a 100% plausible explanation for the deaths. But that ceases to matter. What matters is that Arthur believes in the aliens. And after Richard's murder, Arthur goes to more and more extreme measures to ensure they never kill again. It's very Poe. And I also couldn't help of thinking of the other Night Shift story, Graveyard Shift. In this collection, there's only one story between Graveyard Shift and I Am the Doorway. 
And in Cavalier Magazine, only five months buffered the two with Graveyard Shift printed in October 1970, I Am the Doorway in March 1971. In both tales, two men go on a journey together, one coerced into the trip by the other who's very likely insane. In Graveyard Shift, that ends with Hall, the madman, killing his manager Warwick. Here, in I Am the Doorway, it ends with Richard dead and Arthur returning alive. Certainly, the context, the parallels to King's earlier story, blame seems to readily fall at Arthur's feet. But I Am the Doorway also echoes another tale from Night Shift, The Boogeyman. That one came two years later, in the March 1973 Cavalier magazine. But its ties to I Am the Doorway are such that the stories seem like doppelgangers. The Boogeyman starts with a man saying he murdered his children, but then shifting the blame to a monstrous creature. In I Am the Doorway, it starts with a man saying a boy was killed, but that man immediately shifts blame off himself. It's there in the title. He wasn't the killer. He was the doorway for the aliens to kill. But both stories primarily consist of one man telling another of murders that happened, including a multi-year backstory for those murders. In The Boogeyman, the man, Billings, is speaking to a psychiatrist. In this story, it's Arthur talking to his old friend. The parallels are great, but if you heard my review of The Boogeyman, I really didn't like that story, primarily for its out-of-the-blue ending. I've read The Boogeyman several times now, and there is nothing I can find in that story to indicate Billings was insane. Told in a standard third-person format, we're forced to take everything told in prose at face value, so when the twist ending occurs, it isn't set up. It makes no sense, and it left me unsatisfied. With I Am the Doorway, though, King does right everything the Boogeyman did wrong. With a first-person perspective, I'm suspect of everything I read. More, there is no gotcha, O. Henry-style twist ending. There is a climax to the story, and then a button on the end, but it's done in a way that fulfills the story I've been reading of Arthur, be he mad or inhabited by aliens. In The Boogeyman, it just feels cheap. More, with Arthur, we're given a likable main character, and that's another way in which I Am the Doorway is far superior. The Boogeyman featured the racist, sexist, violent, contemptible Billings. But Arthur, he's an astronaut, an explorer. I think from the time man first went into space, hero worship of astronauts is expected from us earthbound mortals. More, Arthur lost his legs for the goal of exploration. It's a bit ironic. One giant leap for mankind, and Arthur can never take one small step again. Now he's a retiree, spending his days in Florida, jawing with his friend and keeping the government's secrets safe, but he's not dull for all he's experienced. More, there is one really interesting, if not well-explored, subplot from Arthur's past. When he gets the welts on his hands, he fears he may have leprosy. He recalls growing up with an aunt who had that infection. The woman was quarantined in the attic, never seen and rarely mentioned. King would later replay that dynamic to a much greater effect in Pet Cemetery. We'll get there eventually, but back to I Am the Doorway, Arthur's history with that disease, his fear of being sick and shunned like his aunt was, prevents him from seeking medical treatment and increases his paranoia over the itching. It helps give a character reason why Arthur would keep this to himself and not just check into a hospital for eyes on his hands. Though that explanation holds less water as the story goes on, I allow it because I want to see if Arthur can prove his case and vanquish the aliens. Billings? I think he should be killed by the boogeyman. 
I find it interesting that I Am the Doorway was published and presumably written years before The Boogeyman, for Doorway shows so much more nuance and craft than the later story. I also have to commend King for yet another use of the first-person perspective. This story immediately follows Night Surf in the Night Shift collection, but as I said last week in my review of that story, the two voices are completely distinct. And, if nothing else, this story has one other long-lasting legacy. It's this story that inspired the art for the 1980s edition of Night Shift in Paperback, the one that I consider iconic with the hand covered in eyes and bandages. For years, I watched classmates read that book and wonder what the cover signified. I usually thought it had something to do with the story Graveyard Shift, but no, it was I Am the Doorway that inspired that artist's interpretation of Arthur's hand. It's a great image, even if I didn't imagine that many eyes on the hands. If there were, indeed, any eyes on there at all. I also have to add one more Stephen King connection, though. I certainly see shades of this short story in Weeds, a story King had published in Cavalier in 1976 that remained uncollected until very recently. That story, about a man who touches a meteor and then starts to sprout plants out of his skin, you may better know as The Lonesome Death of Geordie Verrill, the Stephen King starring section of the first Creepshow film. But while this story is not incredibly original in conceit, I like I Am the Doorway. It's short, and it has the very original idea of eyeballs on the digits. So after a string of some mediocre Night Shift reviews, I'm happy to find a story here that, while it doesn't have any lasting impact on my love for King's work, was an enjoyable read that helps give a glimpse into some of the author's future writings as well. But, as always, I'd like to know if you agree. Do you think I Am the Doorway works better than Boogeyman, or am I as crazy as Arthur? Please, let me know in the Books and Nachos forums. There's a link from the booksandnachos.com homepage. Or drop me an email at show at booksandnachos.com. I know these reviews have been shorter, but each one still takes many hours of reading, researching, writing, recording, editing, and more. And it's listener feedback, telling me you're out there listening, that makes all the effort worth it. So please, let me know your thoughts on I Am The Doorway. And I'll be back next week with my next Night Shift review. I've already posted reviews of The Mangler and The Boogeyman, so the next review will be Grey Matter, the seventh story in the Night Shift collection. And be sure to join me over at NowPlayingPodcast.com. There are over 20 movie adaptations of the stories in Night Shift, and we're reviewing all of them this year. Here, Jacob Stewart and I review The Mangler, Graveyard Shift, and so many more at NowPlayingPodcast.com. I'll talk to you next week, and in the meantime, please remember to support your local bookstore. Thank you for listening to this episode of Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word about our show by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find dozens more book reviews at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.